Special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society. The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide. For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. I'm Charles Epting from H.R. Harmer in New York City. And I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. Michael. Home edition. You need to identify a Washington, you need to identify a Washington Franklin. Yes. Or an 1851 one cent mm-hmm. or any other difficult, uh, nuanced postage stamp issue. Your yeah. Scott catalog's not sitting next to you. What yeah. do you do? Yeah, I, um, I go to the Swedish Tiger. I go to this is one of the first websites. Yeah. Yeah, and, and whenever I'm looking for like a Waterbury cancellation or something, and I, I just Google it because I don't know, my roll off book's not near me. This is one of the first sites that comes up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you just start, yeah, usually if I'm trying to figure out what something is, I'll just put in those Google search terms that are, uh, I, I don't think there's any way that these specific terms could bring up what I'm looking for because it's mm-hmm. usually some weird mix of like stamp and cancellation and town and blah, blah, blah. And then usually the Swedish tiger is, is the first Google image hit. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it, it's an incredibly useful tool for people looking to identify material that don't necessarily have a specialized catalog next to them. It, 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 it's, yeah, I'm excited to talk to, to Roger. I've never spoken with him before, but I'm, I'm ex- excited. Yeah, Ro- to Roger talk to Kirby him. started this site. Yes. He started this site back in 2003. So this has been going on for 19 years. Yeah. So there's been, um, as far as I know, to my knowledge, two iterations of the website. And I'm excited to talk to him about the changes of the website over time. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> Over time, but this is this is an exciting episode because I use it. Uh, my employees use it. My father uses it. You know, it's it's an important website for people looking to, you know, look at types. I I, I think it's also an interesting follow up to last week's episode where we talked to Jay yeah. Bagalki of Scott Catalog. He's working. He's been working for for years within the confines of a print catalog where you can't really put in too much information or else the Scott Catalog will you know, mm-hmm. be, be uh, a little bit ungainly. Um, and, 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 you know, he, he's working on his digital edition and, and what Roger Kirby does uh, sort of shows the, um, the, the full extent of what you can do with just a website, not having to worry about the confines of print um, and mm-hmm. being able to make something, you know, widely available online. You can update constantly. You can add information. I think this yeah. is a nice, um, you know, sort of follow-up to, to last week's episode with Jay. Yeah, he said he updates the prices every year, but but Roger is pulling in, uh, in a little different to Scott Catalog, Roger's pulling in market values from places like eBay, Hipstamp, Delcamp for these for these items. And then on his about page, you can you can read about this. He he removes the top 15% and the bottom 15% and takes the middle set of prices. So removes all the outliers and then takes the middle set of prices and the average. For each item, and he licenses the the Scott numbers directly from Scott from Amos Media. They allow him to use their Scott prices, which is a question I'll ask him later in the in the episode. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's a tremendously useful website. I think it off the top of my head, it goes from Scott one or nine X one to five hundred. Um, I think it goes up until the nineteen fifties, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, that would further I'm than sorry, that. that would make sense. Yeah. So again, these are all questions that I, I think um, I'm really excited to, to ask Roger about. Yeah. Um, perfect. So without further ado, he's 
like last week, actually here. Um, I'm going to let him into the ruining out. All right. Hello. Hi. Hello, Roger. Thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to chat with us. You're welcome. <laughs> so, so, oh, go ahead, Michael. Michael you go ahead. Well, I was just I was just going to say, um, you know, thanks for thanks for joining us and and kind of jumping right into stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about your history in philately? What got you started? Uh, what got me started was freezing to death in a uh, Victorian farmhouse in the very north of Sweden. I was a raspberry farmer at the time. And in Sweden, when you're isolated, there's not much to do. And uh, I was um, uh, rooting around the uh, farmhouse. And in the attic, I found an old stamp collection. And having nothing else to do, I researched it. And uh, it gave me the idea of um, putting some information out there, which was back in 2003, and there wasn't really much out there. Uh, and um, as a result, the website was born and it filled a few cold uh, nights where the sun doesn't shine. Did you have any familiarity with, with stamp collecting or philately before you found that album, or did you really no. just hit the ground running? I hit the ground running. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, not knowing about it, I had to deep, uh, dive deep into research. And that meant ordering articles, uh, books, uh, um, news magazines about philately or philatelic magazines from the eras that were concerned, which is mainly between 18, well, the magazines were really between 1880 and when I've uh, go up to 1950 so ordering copies of magazines there uh, to find articles because a lot of the accounts were contemporary uh, so um, and there's books as well so I had to order those books interesting stuff. what drew you to um, to American philately in particular what was it about uh, and especially you know sort of classic American philately is something that's intimidating to a lot of newcomers it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's maybe not the easiest to, to fully get into uh, so what, was, what was uh, it that I was looking after the raspberry farm for a, a relation of mine so I was there three years but in actual fact I've lived 32 years I haven't got the accents in America all over South Carolina mm -hmm. Washington DC Washington State Georgia, blah, 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 blah. So um, I'm steeped in Americana. And I uh, used to go around Civil War where uh, for battlefields uh, to uh, get some idea of the American Civil War. So I'm a student of American history, that's why. So at what point in your um, storyline here did, did you start building the website itself and kind of learning um, what you wanted it to be? Uh, what I had to do was gather the material first, which was basically right. uh, one summer. Uh, and then during the next winter, I sketch out exactly how I wanted to do it. Um, pieces of paper, basically. Uh, and then I had to learn uh, computer programming <laughs> in order to do this. Uh, buy myself a laptop uh, and um, put the whole thing together. So that was, it was really a planning process of one year to get it together. And okay. it's changed a lot since then. 
Yeah, that's that's what um, I was going to ask later on, um, but I can I can just kind of go through it now. How many changes to the actual layout and the content of the website have there been? Because I remember myself starting to use it back, um, I think back as early as 2008, and it looked very different with a bunch of different uh, features and, and everything like that. Okay, well... The primary use uh, back then was for mm. people looking for values of stamps. And I was recording the value every year. But once I got back to America and got back to my full-time job, which is film production, uh, it was uh, very difficult to keep maintaining that. So, okay, mm. live in the middle of winter in Sweden, but after a while, it just became burdensome. So I, uh, what I do now is I do put the values in there, but I update them biannually or um, annually, depending on which one it is, but I don't keep a full record. Uh, another reason for taking the values away was I really wanted to be a philatelic tool mm. rather than, uh, than just how much is my stamp worth, because I'm of the opinion it's not the value of the stamps, it's the history behind the stamps, which is where mm. I want to concentrate. That was a change. Um, then I retired from the film industry um, about two years ago and realized, because I hadn't really touched the website very much, uh, I realized that people had mobile phones. And if you looked at the website on the mobile phone, you were doing this a lot. Uh, and it was very difficult to use. Uh, so, uh, and it wasn't responsive in any sort of way. and. I wanted to take advantage of new technology as well uh, and new tools. So it meant a whole new design, a new revamp and using things like Python and uh, um, oh, I'm just trying to think of some of the other programs that use CSS. I mean, there's a lot of stuff gone in there in order to make it as it is right now. Okay, uh, yeah. I well, I was going to say, you, you say you started off buying magazines and books, and obviously there's uh, an incredible wealth of information out there through people like Ashbrook and Nankin and Roloff and all these, these great books that are sort of the, the, um, you know, the, the pillars of, of this hobby. Uh, How do you view, um, uh, or, or, or when did you sort of realize that the internet could be um, uh, such a useful tool in that it can always be updated? There, you have no limitations in terms of space or you know you don't have to worry about uh printing you can really put whatever you want out there you can include as much information whereas a, a book or a catalog is going to be necessarily limited by you know physical constraints so how, how did you know what are, what is your thought on the internet versus uh well, a, a yeah, more a form of media a back step from that um when i had started this uh, there was a limited amount of philosophic information basically you it's produced how many uh, very basic, but it was starting to be used by philatelists and uh, it created correspondence. And from that correspondence, I gathered that these were the things that people really wanted to know about. And these were the things they really didn't care about. So going back to your question, how did I go about it? It was really guided by the audience. And as far as the books was concerned, uh, what did I extract? Uh, what did I use? And where did the... Um, where with the limits as far as the internet is concerned, that was also guided by my viewers uh, and what they were really interested in. Uh, I mean, there's a laundry list and I have to prioritize it. Uh, 
so once I've done this task, which is really basically completely updated the site, uh, there's a wish list, which is really from the correspondence. I know what I next need to do. So yeah, the, it's limitless. The other thing I would uh, say on this back step is that when I had started it, a lot of information was from Nankin and um, other books, uh, Joel, etc., uh, and newspaper articles, but uh, there was an agreement between them and I had to go to experts in the field in order to um, bounce ideas off them. And since then, uh, in fact, more so today, a lot of the content is actually written by people who advise Scots or who are uh expertizers etc so it's getting more and more technical in fact it's getting above the level of my knowledge so i i'm having other people write uh differences in hair like the length of hair was the one from this morning i will give you the exact millimeter length of hair in washington's head to do a type two you know it's something i would never know and you wouldn't actually find out the other thing is um with books i'd realized that if you see an article which is, say, quoted in Lynn's magazine or on a stamp chat board or whatever, it's a quote from something that was written previously, which was written from something previously, which was probably originally written in, say, 1890. But it was actually erroneous. So you have to go back and correct it. And that takes, you know, a lot of um, support to say, well, it's actually wrong. It wasn't created by this press. Or an example that came in today, a 1917 stamp is actually a 1916 stamp. And I had, before I actually put it down, it was 1916, I requested a copy of the postmark on the cover so I could establish it really was 1916. It's still not up there because I want the certificate before I put it up there. It could have been forged. So when I get the certificate, then I will definitely say it's 1916. So to go back to your question, um, a lot of it's driven by the audience now. Uh, I. I'm basically the person that puts it up there, but I'm not the person that creates the content anymore. So this this sounds like a tremendous amount of work from just not only yourself, but the, the experts and, and other people who contribute to the information that goes up there. I, I'm really surprised. I mean, I've got one guy trolling through all the auctions, uh, updating uh, prices for me uh, on rare stamps or trying to find if one's actually been sold or not because there was a lot of times I said no sales recorded and that was a challenge to him to go back god knows how long <laughs> 1950s to find one which has actually been sold um, and the New York uh, Public Library has actually been really really helpful on this one they provided me with images of stuff which I didn't even know existed uh, so where are going? Can we repeat your question again? I've lost. I've gone off track. Well, no, I, I, I didn't. I, I hadn't uh, gotten to that point yet. The the it, this is a service that you and your contributors provide to the public for free. Um, yes. So what kind of? I, I guess the question is just with uh, <laughs> why you know how how do you have the time and the and the fine you know the. The, the time essentially to put all this together um for yeah yeah i mean well it's it's a tremendous service is what i'm saying i i i guess and it's um it's something that not a lot of people put the time and effort into providing to others to learn and and 
aid their collections, aid their... their it's their, actually their... a start. It's a start. Yeah. Um, if every American should be proud of the Constitution uh, and the stamps tell part of the story and there's a little bit of history in each of the pages, but there will be more of history in how this is put together. If you go through stamps, you'll see an article recently that there was only uh, the first woman in stamp. So there was a period in the uh, early 30s, so there's no woman in a stamp. It's, it was a very male orientated. There were no blacks on stamps till way later. Uh, you know, we go into the 40s then. Uh, it was really heads of middle-aged white men uh, then. So not only is it an actual history of events, it's a social history as well. And I would like to weave that into it. So people understand um, the country that they came from through stamps, not collecting stamps because of value or to fill holes in an album. It's actually a piece of history which is easily obtainable, which gives you uh, an idea of the, the history of the fabric of American society. And also for those people that wants to know how many millimeters the length of a hair on Washington's head should be at the same time. Yeah, no, that, I mean, it's interesting because it's, it's added a lot of how many were printed, what the uh, designs were, what the proofs looked like, the, you know, why this stamp came to be. And that, I think that history behind, when, when was that added, if I, if I may interject on myself? That was added uh, with the type change two years ago from okay. the old HTML to the new uh, flashy whatever that you have right now. Um, I can just add one thing about the, why do I do it for the interest? Uh, if you go into, well, starting at 1898 and go particularly into the 40s, which I haven't reached yet, but I think there's instances of it. It has such a wide audience. Last mm. year, I hit one and a half million. I'm on the target to hit two million views uh, a year. And that means a lot of people look at it. And a lot of people who aren't stamp collectors, because they have all this email saying, oh, da, 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 da. but one of the things you do get is the actual people that appeared in the stamps or their granddaughter or whatever. I was really surprised um, oh, just a week, maybe a week ago. It's a picture of a national park uh, and it uh, uh, looks like a father and a daughter walking away. Little engraved pictures, uh, very, very small, walking between uh, two sides of a forest. There's a lot of tall trees. And it's. Uh, and I then I got a picture, the actual photograph from this lady who lives in Maryland of that, the original photograph and the photograph that was before, taken a minute before, and the photograph that was taken a minute afterwards. And she wow. said that was me. <laughs> <laughs> 1948, wow. I think it was. And she's now in her 90s. But she said that was me. And here's the photograph before and after to prove it. So wow. now, um, I even go back to, say, 1898, um, a grandfather who was pictured, great-grandfather who was pictured in a... Um, plow uh, team that was him and his hat flew off there's a whole story of how he regret this hat flew off because the actual engraving catches the hat flow flying off his head so he can't see his head but uh, uh yeah lots and lots of people uh, well, the last one i will give and this is probably about a year ago was uh the u.s army marching underneath the uh, arc de triomphe celebrating uh, victory in paris 
And the photographer wrote to me with a picture of that. He also took a picture of the Navy man uh, on the deck and he named every single sailor and every single person in the photograph. There must be a hundred people there. Uh, but he got their names and actually named them all. And plus the original photograph. So it involves other people as well. And yeah. you, you get that connection with, with America or, you know, they're, they're so proud that the fact the stamp's there. And then I show the photograph to the person that was involved. Um, like, yeah, yesterday I did a stamp which was, just trying to remember what the stamp was now. Um, oh, it was the Red Cross issue. It's a black and white stamp with a red cross on it. And it's got a Red Cross nurse. Well, actually, they broke a rule. That nurse was a model. It was, uh, well, the engraving was taken off a poster, a direct copy of a poster. What they didn't know was that poster was not allegorical. It was actual person. They used the model. And that model was living. And there's actually, I found a photograph where she is there holding the poster, the real model. And it's actually a film where she's hoovering her house. So she's a real living person. And there's a rule that you should not have a living person on the stamp. But there she was on the stamp and she signed it too. So, <laughs> and there's a picture, it's on the website, that a picture of her that's signed the stamp. So that broke the rule, post office rule that no living person should ever be on. So you learn these little things as you go along. And I, I hopefully uh -huh. by me telling you this, things that you didn't know and things that flatterly didn't know, the average sample collector, it draws them into the hobby. Mm. Uh, what else can I find out? What do I have? Uh, I've stopped getting, email. if you look at my website, I ask not people to send me emails identifying stuff, but I get probably 100 to 200 emails a day with stuff like that. Uh, wow. So it tells you this, it's a lot of interest from people who are not philatelists. And some of those emails say you've got me into philately, which aids the hobby. And that's another reason for doing it, going back to mm -hmm. your original question. Right. Wow. How much has your, <clears throat> since the discovery of that first album in the attic, how much has your own collecting kept up versus how much time do you just spend working on the site? Because, you know, as, as someone who works for an auction house, I find myself... Um, you know, sort of collecting by proxy with other people's uh, stamps sometimes. So how much do you still collect? I don't collect. I don't collect. <laughs> I'm hoping you'd say that. I don't. Uh, I, I really don't. I will buy a stamp so I can scan it and uh, then sell it. Often as not, nowadays, of course, I mean, that was originally, I, I had to buy a US stamp collection to scan all these stamps. It cost me a lot of money. Sold it to somebody uh, in New York. Um, and that was a long time ago. Uh, but now uh, I've got uh, other people supplying the images for the stamps. So, no, I, I don't need the stamps. I don't collect stamps. I think my wife would kill me if I collected stamps. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're with Harmers, is that correct? Correct. Correct. I have a lot of respect for Harmers. Uh, in fact, I used to use Harmers a lot when I was buying stamps. Uh, one of the... I won't mention the ones I would never use, but uh, I, I have a lot of respect for Harmer's, uh, Siegel, and a few others. But a good auction house. Appreciate that. Thank you. Michael, I know you wanted to ask about the licensing of Scott numbers. That's something that we talked about a bit beforehand. Ah, yeah. that's a very good yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, that's not, 
touching upon the services that you provide to people for free, I mean, I assume licensing the numbers themselves aren't uh, a free service you provide that was kind of along those lines of this is something well, that, that you're, was you're... Uh, an agreement with Amos Publishing uh, six years ago, I guess. Uh, they had written saying, oh, by the way, you're using our Scott numbers. And I said, well, what does it take? So <laughs> if at the top of every page, there's a link to their catalog and it yes. gets a lot of clicks. So mm -hmm. it obviously benefits them. As long as I have that link there to Amos Publishing, then um, I am more than happy. They are more than happy to uh, let me quote the Scott numbers. Oh, perfect. So that is a service. That's fantastic. That is a service they provide to, well, to well, you. Without the Scott numbers, it's going to mean a lot less to people yes. out there. Yeah. That probably would be the <laughs> website. Uh, so, but you can't use, there are a lot of people out there using Scott numbers without Amos's permission, but mm -hmm. I, I've done it proper way. Same with Siegel. If I charge for the site, then I wouldn't be able to use the images that Siegel give me because they mm -hmm. only provide it for non-commercial use and it's non-commercial. So uh, there's reasons uh, about the licensing. I am going to involve uh, Harmers and Siegel and um, uh, what's the one beginning with K? I forgot it now. Keller? Uh, yeah, Keller. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Keller. Uh, uh, because I would like to get them involved in uh, talking about their auction houses, talking about the services they provide and the same with PSC and um, other expertizers, what they provide uh, and Subway. And the reason I want to involve them is because it's bringing a lot of new collectors in the hobby. And one of the questions I get so frequently is I have a collection. Uh, I went down to the stamp dealer or whatever, and they offered me 50 quid for it, whatever. Uh, uh, but it was my grandfather's and it comes in a uh, four Scott Brown albums. I'm thinking, well, it's probably something that's worthwhile. Uh, and, uh, uh, or can you send me some images? If I get that kind of thing, can you send me some images? And I said, where should I send it? Uh, I won't get those emails if I've got the auction houses up there saying, these are the services we provide, this is the commission, mm. stuff that people need to do to make a decision. I don't need to make. I don't need to guide them. In fact, I feel uncomfortable saying, "Oh, you should use Harmers or you should use Kelleher," simply because um, I'm not don't have the information that they have. As opposed to, you know, they can say, "Oh, yeah, I live in Oregon, so I'll use um, Harmers," but that doesn't necessarily mean Harmers is the right avenue to to do it. Um, so it depends on what the material is. Uh, if it's good quality stuff then they should have an indication of where to do it and how to consign the material. And also, um, I'd like, uh, on some of the um, more expensive items, this item was sold at such and such. It gives them an idea of where to go for those items. Mm. Um, this is particularly true of, uh, and I haven't got here, so I'm actually, after I finish the website, it's the next thing to do, certificate a must. I will be added to a lot of the stamps. Um, it'll help PSC, but it'll also help the auction house. Uh, and I have this—I uh, have a uh, discussion going around the people who contribute, whether to include uh, graded stamps or not. I'm not inclined to because it's really all over the place what graded stamps are, and it takes away the average value of stamps if somebody's actually looking for stamps. But 
I'll leave that one alone. But yeah, with auction houses, it needs to be included uh, as subway for supplies, obviously, where to get your supplies. And for um, PSC and other expertizers, where do you go get the certificates from? So that has to be added. I've really written to uh, Stiegel and they're very much interested in doing it when I'm ready to go ahead. But I haven't written to you or Kelleher's yet. Whenever you want to have that discussion, we can we can talk offline. <laughs> that's that's well, fantastic. I'm not ready to go with it. I've got to finish the website first, but then at that point, it's got to be uh, a new menu tab will be up there. What do I do next? So when you talk about finishing the website, do you have a, a, a finish line? Uh, it's in getting mind, close. Or... 1940, and I'm up to 1931. I think the 1940 is because Scott's uh, catalog uh, albums go up to 1940. Mm -hmm. um, and there's not much that's worth anything really after 1926. But uh, uh, 1940, because I get so many questions about it, I don't get many questions about stamps. From 1948, for instance, where there are 500 issues. So uh, now up to 1940 is where my stop point is. And then I'm going to go to the certificates, which has been requested by so many people. What should I certificate this? And you know, no, you don't need to certificate this. It's only worth five pounds, five dollars, but you do need to certificate this. And with the certificates comes in the don't do the certificate before first checking this, especially with the Washington Franklins. Don't, uh, this is how you get watermark fluid, subway, do the watermark fluid test before you waste your time trying to get a certificate. So there's a lot of that. And then now I, then the next thing is I have got the certificated. What do I do with it yet? Harmers, Steagle. Uh, that's where it belongs. Hmm? So. I, I, I think it's great because one of the things that um, I know Michael and I both get a lot is when somebody Google's, let's say they have a, a one cent Franklin and they Google it and they see a hundred stamps on eBay selling for a dollar and one stamp on eBay asking $50,000. They're going to assume that it's the $50,000 one and not the hundred one dollar oh. ones. And I feel like there's so much online um, and, and, and maybe it's the whole mindset of Antiques Roadshow and Pawn Stars and this whole mindset that everything is a diamond in the rough. Everything is yeah. the one that, you know, you can retire on. Um, I love that your site is, uh, in my opinion, at least sort of a, an antidote to that. It's um, uh, maybe a more realistic look. Hey, this could be a stamp to catalogs, $30,000. But yeah, check the perforations, check the watermark. Do your homework before you assume that you can you know, put your kid through college on it. Um, so so I, I, I really uh, very much like seeing that approach being taken with a website when again i feel like so much of the internet is trying to um uh build people up and make people think that they have something that they more than likely uh, there's, a, there's gonna be a lot of that in the certificate thing meaning that this is not what you think uh, one of the problem one of the frequent questions i got is how come your values are less than uh scots i actually added it in the about section on values recently because scots will it has to be a hundred grade stamp in order to be worth that much you know uh and the other thing i've got to put is you know i really don't care if this particular stamp is damaged uh because it will still sell as damaged there are some super rare stamps that it really doesn't need to be in perfect condition so don't throw that stamp away or don't think about not doing it so that also has to be added into some of the, the stamps. Uh, I've started putting forgeries, but 
game with the certificates, which is where this the next loop round when I've got to 1940, is uh, I've already got down there how to, you know, you can have, for instance, a 12 cent uh, Washington with or without perforations, or particularly the Jefferson, five cent Jefferson is so often uh, has the perforations removed. How do I know that the perforations be removed? Those kind of, you know, and then the the and I will have probably sizes of perf, uh, sizes of the um, uh, and this is where I want the auction houses to, to get involved when I show for instance a five cent Franklin uh, sorry five cent Jefferson uh, mint say we have the buff coloured one uh, I'd like an auction house to actually have one there this is why this is worth sixty five thousand dollars <laughs> you know uh, and I think that's going to create more traffic for me and it's going to create more traffic for, uh, for the auction houses because people will then have a clearer idea of what is worth for every person that thinks it's worth a lot of money there's another person who doesn't think it's worth that much money at all mm. and i would say when i look at the statistics and i look at the traffic and how people are looking i would say about 40 to 50 percent of the people there are learning about stamps which is incredible. So if they do have that stamp, they'll probably miss over it and ignore it. But maybe they should take a second look at that stamp because it's something which is more valuable than they think. So there is a flip side to, yeah, I've got the most valuable stamp in the world. I had one guy send me the uh, a picture of the... Um, souvenir sheet from the post office with the correct side Jenny very expensive mm. one and uh, it was actually not in the picture it was him showing all these first day covers and, and souvenir sheets that he had uh, and then it was that one and I go what <laughs> okay uh, could you bring that one out again please that's again I think there's probably uh, on a third go around there are some modern rarities which you might want to uh, mm. take a, a look at so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there was one guy about six years ago. He was from Florida, Miami. And he said, uh, can you tell me if this is worth anything? The plane is upside down. <laughs> so, and then uh, the next email that I got was, I couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> 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 By the way, uh, it didn't go to you. It went to um, Siegel at the time. But uh, yeah. Uh, those are the kind of things where I would refer that person to the auction site. I don't want to make the judgment for them. The auction houses can describe what services they provide, but it's a huge amount of traffic. The website mm. gets done. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, that's a fantastic service. I was going to ask you also, because in one of the ones um, back in 2008 and a couple of years after that, I forget what year it, you stopped doing that, but you used to have a section on the website where you would grade and rate different sellers on eBay. Ah. Do you, you remember that? And you would give them badges yeah. like the dealer of integrity. This yeah, one yeah. sells this much. And this is what their feedback is. You would remember something like that, Michael. Yeah, well, there were, no, there were like 300 dealers on there. That was, there yeah, was there a were. massive list. There was um, a massive list. And in fact, what you'd get is you get brown paper envelopes with a hundred dollar bills in it. <laughs> From the dealers. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no, seriously, really? seriously. I, 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 I. Well, if this stage, oh. is this being recorded? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. We can, well, we I, can, I, I, we cannot talk about that. Well, 
there is a particular stamp dealer who is in the New York area that was made sure he, uh, or tried to make sure, I should say, that he won the dealer of the year. Uh, oh, and wow. I just had to return the money to him. I, I, I can't tell you who that one, <laughs> that person is. Um, oh, that's awful. Uh, the, uh, I took it off because at that time, eBay um, feedback was uh, fairly, uh, had some kind of integrity to it. And it was a website called Slingshot Venus who did a good job of outing um, bad eBay dealers. I've never heard they of are still around, but they're not doing a website. They're technically, it's not, he hasn't got the, um, you know, we said, oh, mobile, forget it. Um, uh, he helps me out, though. Uh, and uh, there's almost a cause to start doing this again. There's some road dealers out there. You've got to be careful because about this uh, because you could open yourself up to lawsuits. If you <laughs> say that such and such is a bad dealer, uh, and that he's a rogue, you could be in, in a difficult position. Um, okay, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. My registered address is in Turkey. I live in Turkey <laughs> six months a year, <laughs> but I still live in the UK, and the long arm of the law will probably get me. So I have to be very careful about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a nice thing to do, it's, uh, but um, and I think there's a need for it. I just have to think about whether I want to do it or not. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was a tremendous addition to the to the hobby to keep people in in check and and kind of inform. I actually think of swapping it around to um, uh, instead of going through the biggest dealers. You see, the problem is is that a lot of really big dealers are mm. dealers who should probably not get involved with. <laughs> uh, so there's some good dealers. Uh, I can quote Noble Spiritus, one of the better dealers out there. Uh, but there are some very big dealers who you should be very careful with. Uh, there was one, and I can mention the same because they're no longer around, uh, Ruby Stamps, who was enormous back in 2008 until it was discovered what was going on with Ruby Stamps, and he's not around anymore. Uh, and uh, I was calling this guy up a long time ago, gave him you know, a big mind, uh, thumbs down, um, but would I get a lawsuit from that? I don't know. It's, it's mm. tough to say. Mm. Um, the one thing it did do is it brought a lot of correspondence from people who uh, had said, oh, yes, well, you recorded this person as five stars, but I've just bought this really awful thing from them. I tried oh, okay. to return it and they wouldn't. And so you get that. That happened. And then I would so give the person, say, one star. And the next thing I do is get a, a phone call or an email or I've even had legal documents saying, what the hell, why would you do that? Something like that. Prove it to me. And then I have to mm. pr- produce the correspondence from the dealer, from the person. Uh, and then you end up, that's a whole day gone because you're yeah. dealing with this yeah. nightmare. So it's good service. And I think somebody should provide it. I've, also so thought maybe, about doing it with auction houses, but I haven't. Yeah, so maybe someone should provide it anonymously <laughs> so they don't get all those. Uh, well, when I live in Turkey full-time, I can do it because you can go, <laughs> go get me there. <laughs> the, the, uh, I talk about, I know I will be living in Turkey full-time and not for a couple of years anyway. 
But when I do, the internet's so bad over there, uh, I'll be forking over the website to somebody else to look after. And uh, one reason I want to involve the auction houses is because I want it to become a selling tool for the auction house, i.e. you've got the picture there, so it's got a huge amount of um, visits. Uh, you've got the history behind the stamp. And there, right underneath the stamp, it says, buy now. Mm. Or this is featured in our next auction. Now that takes a lot of work from the auction house to do that. Yeah. They've got to yeah. go into every stamp. Well, but does it? They already put that stamp up once on um, the website or sale room or whatever. But I get a much wider audience than the, the auction websites. And so if they put it underneath, this is coming up in our. So it might be a useful tool. And then the web uh, the auction house can take it over because and that way i know that the content will always be there mm -hmm. what they some kind of agreement that they only adjust the content if it's erroneous but try and leave the content alone and then they can add their own advertising whatever in there but i think it would be a useful tool for an auction house so much as um this is the record of sales. This is how much it's worth. We have one coming up in the next, you know, whatever they want to do with it. Uh, and they can even swap the image that's up there with the one that's coming up in the auction by this stamp now. Yeah. Uh, I don't I offer that. I did try that once, by the way. You probably missed it, but I did. Oh, really? buy the stamp. Yeah, I did the, buy the stamp now. It worked very well. It really did. Uh, but again, it would eat up your day selling every stamp in the world. So I, I'm not the dealer. I then had to go around and find the stock. Because if you had a really decent one cent Franklin up there, um, mm -hmm. and it was, say, I even had a number five once up there. Uh, wow. uh, yeah, I know. So, so it was you provide. So it was you buying the material and selling it through the website. When they would hit buy this stamp now, it was, it was you? Yeah, I didn't do it, do it for very long. I did it for two months. And okay. um, <laughs> uh, it became a full-time hobby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was quite profitable. But again, uh, it took over my life, so I stopped doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. But I do know that if an auction house did the same thing, they would probably benefit from it. Uh, they, you know, they have to draw a line. It has to be stamped that they're actually got in the auction. And Harmers mm -hmm. and Keller are only going to put something which is worthwhile. Uh, up in the auction but the other thing is uh stanley gibbons were talking to me and they uh, i i stopped talking to them but they were saying well we sell stuff retail as well and mm. that's what we put up there especially the unusual retail stuff so you see a picture of a stamp and underneath you see a picture with a gutter pair or for it, which is very expensive or one with a uh, inverted watermark whatever like that and because I did have British stamps up on the website, they're not there anymore. There's too much to do for Britain and UK. Um, and so that was all that was something that didn't need to be rotated every sale. They could just put that up there, especially if it's an expensive item, until it was sold. And I would think that was probably going to be very successful for them. And it's one way of me making sure that the website continues after I immigrate to Turkey and also uh, provides a service for other people. and helps the auction houses out too. I have a real thing against internet bidding because I get all the correspondence from all these people like just today and it puts them off the hobby. You know, I, I, and the first thing is I don't know enough because I keep getting ripped off. Uh, uh, 
Uh, what does it mean? It says vaccinomy on the newspaper stamp. That means <laughs> things like that. Uh, and, uh, uh, they get pissed off and they, they give up because they're thinking, well, I don't have enough knowledge to continue this hobby. And it's a shame because you lose people as a result. Uh, by the way, if you look at my traffic, traffic statistics, less than 50% come from the USA. Really? Most, uh, a lot comes from India and China, especially China. Huh. India is a big collecting, Thailand's another big collecting country. Mm -hmm. And they don't know about Harmers, they don't know about Kelleher, they don't know mm -hmm. about Siegel. Uh, they buy the stuff off eBay, and they're the people that get pissed off because that's their only source of content. Uh, but there's a lot of people coming from China, uh, and they, they know their stuff too. They, they correct yeah. me on things. So, yeah. It, it, I don't know how many stamp collectors there are in China, but there's a lot out there. And Chinese stamps become so expensive, <laughs> they're looking for something else. So, yeah, yeah anyway, okay. that's the long term. Anyway, next question. Okay, my, 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 my last question is, you know, you've, you've got these long-term goals uh, for the website, integrate auction houses, things like that. But in the uh, immediate short term, as you march towards that 1940 uh, goal, People who maybe have used the website for years and, and, you know, rely on the website, what can they do to contribute? What are you most in need of in terms of mm -hmm. content or images or things like that? What, what, what can people do to, um, you know, again, you provide this great service for free. How can people give back to you? They do already. I mean, I'm amazed how many people write in, especially very knowledgeable experts and expertizers and people who uh, are well respected within, within the field. Um, they contribute the, the images and they contribute the text right now. So, I, like I said, it, I'm now just the content provider. I'm not, not the co content giver. Is that the right way? I, I'm the person yeah. that publishes it. I'm not the mm -hmm. person that provides the content. Much So, yeah, it's already given back by people. Even Joe Blow in the street who submits the photograph of their father and them as a child they're giving back to the website mm. so yeah this already happens it's a creation of american people it's not creation of me anymore and yeah. i don't say american stamp collectors because a lot of people are just very new to the hobby mm -hmm. well i think it speaks absolute volumes that the amount of traffic that you're getting and, and you had mentioned that that these other sites these dealers these auction houses they don't get as much traffic as you because people are searching for this um knowledge they're searching to learn they're you know and you're providing a service where people are able to learn uh for free and learn so much about specific stamps and about what they have and what they might be interested in going down the line and and those those photos that you're providing i mean yeah it brings people into the hobby because they but get something that you're missing is there's a lot of correspondence that comes through that says uh half of it would be uh, of this particular nature. I've started collecting. I used to be a uh, collector when I was a boy. I've restarted it now. I'm retired. That's about half of it. The other yeah. half of it is I've got my grandfather's stamp collection. Mm -hmm. In both instances, well, especially in the latter instances, they start going to the website and valuing it. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes wonderful things like I'm I'm on welfare. Uh, I can't. I'm having to sell my cars. I eventually got grandfather's stamp collection and it ends up being a frigging fortune. And <laughs> what do I do with it next? You know, mm -hmm. you know that from yeah. auction houses. Uh, and that's where the material comes in. It filters in 
through you, but when it filters in through a probate office or something, I get pissed off because they're going to make as much money as they can out of the auction house or the dealer or whatever. So it's filtering. There's still that lost connection between mm. I've got this, what do I do with it next? Especially yeah. those people who want to fund their hobby with what they've got or they want to liquidate the asset that they've inherited, found, whatever. Um, so that's there's that what next thing, which is where the next part of the website is going to go. After I've done that, the certificates, what's what do I do with it? That's when I will that'll probably be about a year half to two years. That's when I'll go to the auction houses and say, okay, do you want me to hand this over to you or should I just uh, leave it on the server continue because I will draw a line in about two years time. Mm. Yes. Mm. Okay. Uh, I'll be bathing in the Aegean seeds that <laughs> we'll all be jealous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's very beautiful in Turkey. I tell you, and my wife who is cooking in the kitchen right now is from Turkey as well. So I'm going to be joining her full time. By the way, I have to ask you a personal question. I see beams in the ceiling. Where are you? So I'm, I'm working from home today. Um, last I gathered that. I think it was yep, um, Yeah, about a year ago, um, almost to the week, um, I purchased a home in upstate New York. So I'm in wow. Dutchess County, New York, which is about 70 miles north of the city. I bought an 1850s farm home. It uh, fantastic. Really thank does. you. So, so, so when, I, when I bought it, this was a um, uh, polystyrene tile drop ceiling in here. Oh, no. From the 1970s. I, you was, found this. It, it was horrible. There were mice living within that ceiling and oh. there was asbestos within that. So a couple of months ago, I came in and took the ceiling down and then had a contractor drywall yeah. between the beams. So, yeah. yeah, this has been hiding since the 1850s underneath a, a, a horrible ceiling. I was, I was particularly excited. Uh, you know, your harm is in the other guy is noble spirits. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. I was particularly um excited to see those two names because I have great respect for it but as you see I've been talking about a lot of the transition and the next stage uh, and I was excited that both you guys will probably be involved in the next stage uh, and um, uh, I don't know if a large dealer like um, Noble Spirit because I don't know enough about the eBay business uh, to know if that's going to be of use to them, say you can now buy this on. Oh, look at that. I've got Steve Ungerich. It's just some you know, it's distinguishing features on two cents. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was another you know, expert sending me an email yeah. uh, on new content to add to the website. Um, but yeah, I was excited to see uh, both of you guys because both of you guys uh, are leaders in the field and. Um, potentially could take this project on uh, when I'm ready to uh, hand it over in about two years' time. We, again, we'd love to keep in touch yeah, um, over the next absolutely. couple of years. And uh, it, it's it's certainly something that we both use yeah. a lot, both personally and professionally. So yeah. anything <laughs> we can do to help moving forward, we'd love to yeah. have those Well, actually, something you can do immediately, both of you, is uh, I will start um, as Siegel are very slow on the uptake. I can't remember the guy's name. It just takes ages to return my phone calls. Um, but as you are proactive, uh, what I will start doing uh, as of this week, 
is I'll start putting some items uh, from your auction houses saying this was sold by Noble Spirit. And that's going to be difficult because I eBay only keep the last 90 days sales. Or this was sold by Harmers, which uh, Snap Network keep it for God knows how many years, 50 years or whatever. But uh, yeah, Snap uh, Auction Network draws. Uh, keeps this image, your images for a long time. Uh, I think you can keep them on your website. Noble Spirit, I'll just have to look and see what good items, yummy items he's sold and put those on. And I'll, I'll put those on the website within the next week. And I will drop you an email, the email that you sent me uh, to uh, say, by the way, your stamp that you have sold is featured. Oh, you've got a cat. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey. Uh, these stamps were sold by such and such. So uh, to help you guys out as a thank you for doing this. Oh, no, well, we would appreciate thank you. that very this much. Is, yeah, there's a tremendous service you're, you're doing to the hobby with, with well, this I website. Well, I can only do it back again by putting up some of Noble Spirit's stamps. Uh, you once sold an unbelievable collection about oh, six, seven years ago, which I really okay. wanted, but I couldn't afford it. It was... It was Thousands and thousands. I ended up by like spending twenty thousand on something from Amsterdam instead. But uh, yeah. uh, you have some very good material. I don't know where you get your material from, but uh, uh, most okay. of the dealers yeah. go over to Amsterdam. Van Loy yeah. is coming up uh, this weekend, and uh, this might interest you as well. Uh, the German auction houses. What might interest you is. Uh, I went to an auction yesterday with a friend of mine and the prices were absolutely through the roof. Mm -hmm. There were two mm -hmm. American dealers there oh, accurately okay. up everything. I mean, it's <laughs> not a bit of number one, no, three, four, five. Bit of number three, four, five. Every single thing. And I said to somebody who knows, I said, who the hell is this? Said, oh, he's an American dealer. And he was. He actually was from Canadian. Uh, and you know which Canadian <laughs> auction house that will be. Um, and um, the other guy was American. Uh, sorry, Canadian dealer, I should say. Uh, but yeah, they were vacuuming this stuff up. And wow. apparently, because uh, I don't go to many auctions, it also happened at the Martello auction, which was in Kent, the provincial auction, which was in Oxford. That you, the, and I said, what is happening? He said, because there's a paucity of material in um, the US and that's where they're coming here and it's so cheap over here but then I uh, found which is something which surprised me because the English dealers go to Amsterdam Antwerp and the German auction houses to get their stuff the, the auction houses do it so mm -hmm. if you see something the auction house which is say a Sherbrook get guaranteed they bought it somewhere in Germany or Netherlands or Belgium uh, not French because French is too expensive uh, so that's that's what's happening. But you guys, you're not making any trips to Europe to get all your stock. They come back. So with no. that. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we've got three sister companies in Europe who generally scour the continent in the UK. Um, so we, we don't have much of a foothold in Europe um, uh, since they, they kind of take care of all that side of things. What happened to Harmers in London? Because they used to have a really good operation and it kind of like died. Yeah. So they got bought out by the Balafi group out of yeah. Italy. Yeah. Um, and my understanding is that Italy sort of strict, uh, uh, 
made more difficult their auction laws. So Balafi was having trouble selling stuff in Italy. So they bought Harmers of London sort of as a way to get things out of the country. Yeah. Um, I think they've had one or two auctions since they reformed, but they're not all too active. They're under a completely separate ownership than us American Harmers now. Because quite a few auction houses have closed, especially in the London and the Southeast area. Uh, one of the big ones was Mayfair uh, auctions, not doing it anymore. And... Um, so there's a need for a good auction house and then Harmers would be able to fill that gap but you can't do it now because you sold it but it's a shame because uh, they did provide the need there were some decisions made by predecessors that I don't love <laughs> at least we've got the New York operation going strong yeah you got that one going strong I'm sure the Chinese operation will probably going great guns as well Yeah. so obviously uh, uh, it's there's, a, there's two things, two ways of making money as a dealer, from what I understand. One is buying a Lincoln, which is a common stamp album here. Stick a penny black in it, you multiply the price by three. And the other is buy any album, put a large dragon in it, you multiply the price by two, <laughs> no matter what else is in it. Yeah, <laughs> ways of making money quickly. Anyway, I've taken up all your time. No, we've we've appreciated this very much. Yeah. This has been yeah. fantastic, yeah. and and uh, yeah, we we can't wait to share this. This will this will run uh, this coming Monday. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, thank you so uh, much. And I will send you an email after I put some of your stamps up, so you can see. It. And I would also be interested if it creates any results in traffic, because I will add a link so you can track uh, what's happening. I'll add a link underneath the stamp to Harmers and Noble Spirit. I'll do it 50-50. So you can see if there's any benefit from doing this uh, in the future. We look forward Thank to you. seeing that. Yeah. Okay. Thank Bye. You. Thank you so much. I feel like we have such a better understanding of what Swedish Tiger is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you, you've been following it longer. I mean, when you talk oh, yeah. about going on the site in 08 or whatever, Michael, I didn't know what a postage <laughs> stamp was. I was so far from collecting in 2008. So the fact that mm -hmm. you've been able to see this website evolve and grow yeah. over the years, and then to hear where Roger's uh, going to be taking it over the next That's couple exciting. of years. Yeah. It absolutely is. And, you know, we've talked to other people who run stamp websites. And again, just having talked to Jay, talking to Don Denman, talking to people mm -hmm. who are involved in, digital philately and, and i'm yes. not gonna lie i've got a browser window open james uh, gavin for james gavin but i've got the for board open we want to talk to richard for at some point about his message yeah. board yeah. i i love there's so many people who i feel like a broken record saying this but they come to us charles michael you're young how do we use facebook to get people to collect stamps or whatnot mm -hmm. and i don't think that that's ever really a practical yeah uh, uh you know uh, uh fix for the hobby but seeing people like Roger who've put so much time and effort and money into this website um, really is a labor of love. Mm -hmm. um, that's the way we can utilize technology. I love my Nikon and Ashbrook yeah. and Joel books. Yeah, That's great. But having a website like this and having a steward and a curator for a website like this is really important. And uh, I, I think this is just such an effective use of technology on this hobby without diluting the hobby or trivializing the hobby either. Yes. You know, what's really interesting is, you know, the, he built this with his knowledge, learning from books, and then experts came to him and said, you've got a tremendous thing here. 
let's give you more content to put on your website so that you can provide more information for free. These are actual expertizers providing information they use to expertise material that's going on to his website for free for people to look up the material themselves to see if they should decide to send their stamps in or not. That's just absolutely phenomenal. It's, it's incredible absolutely. that they would absolutely. provide this service to people um, to, to learn from. And, and as we said ourselves, I, I use it all the time for Washington Franklin's, you know, it's, it's incredibly helpful if you don't have one of those Scott, you know, Washington Frank, the tiny Scott Washington Franklin identifiers with you, or you're not carrying your massive specialized, but this thing, the fact that he's still getting emails about there's the times where you don't carry your, your specialized with you, Michael. <laughs> no, goes back into last week's episode. Um, yeah. um, no, but the, 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 also to briefly touch upon the thing you said before about Facebook. Yeah. A lot of people try to slap that bandaid on say, let's just invite people to our Facebook page and leave it alone. There's a lot of people doing some really good things with active Facebook pages. We at the collectors club, the Liechtenstein dinner, I was talking to Cheryl and she was saying, Cheryl Gans and she was talking about a Facebook group that she manages uh, on, on Zeppelins. And she said a lot of people come into it as younger 20s, 30s, people looking to learn about the history of Zeppelins and the history of airmail. And that's bringing them into philately is that history. And I think there's a lot of good being done with Facebook pages like that, the one that, that Cheryl manages and, and stuff. Um, but absolutely. Right. Again, I'm not saying it's not yeah. part of the, oh, no, no, no. Fix, I but it's, yeah. Uh, but again, I think websites like this and his, also his foresight to have this carry on, you know, long, long past his yeah. uh, ability to continue. I think that's great is preserving mm-hmm. these things for, for the future. So no, again, I, I enjoyed this conversation very much. I love that yeah. the last two weeks we've been touching on digital forward thinking aspects of the hobby. I think that's important. And I think that's something we should keep, um, keep yeah. focusing on moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a great episode. Um, looking forward to next week. Um, whatever we do, but we still got to figure it out. But it'll be fun. <laughs> still got to figure it, it out. But I'm um, looking forward to it. It's good to be back. It was great to talk to Roger Kirby. Please, I will put a link to his website in. Yep. If the you're show not notes. already using it, you have to. Yeah. If you're not, if you you're a U.S. collector and you're not already one of the 1.5 million visits he's had this year, um, or I. I yeah, you should. You should be. I, I don't know if that was this year or total. I've got to assume that's. I think it was last year. Yeah, that was last year, and he's going for two million this year. That yep. if you're not one of let's, those, let's get him to that. Visitors, you you got to be. Um, it's incredibly Absolutely. useful. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. So, as always, Spotify podcast, oh, yeah. Apple podcast, Google podcasts. We are on YouTube. Uh, you can watch this. You can see the the, the beams in my house uh, that I'm mm. more proud and of than anything these days. And Nigel, who popped up for a second. Um, we are uh, online at flatlypodcast.com. Email is flatlypodcast at gmail.com. Always love hearing from everyone. I'm going to be at NAPEX next weekend. I should mention that since this is running Monday, mm-hmm. uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this coming week, I will be at the Harmer booth at NAPEX in nice. uh, Washington, D.C. area. And then you and I will both be at CAPEX the following yep. week in Toronto, Canada. Yes. Uh, so if you're at Napex, if you're at Capex, please come say hello to us. Um, shoot us a note, write us on Twitter at Michael J. Court at Charles L. Epting. Um, and yeah, I think that's all we've got for today, Michael. So I'll, uh, I'll talk to you again real soon. Excellent sign off. We'll see you next time. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.